it's kind of a sad day for me. We're going to wrap up the book of Ephesians today. We've been in this since January. And uh, how many of you, have you been blessed by this? Have you been encouraged? Have you got something out of it? I sure hope so. Uh, would you stand? We're going to honor the reading of God's word. We've got a theme verse that we've been sharing since January, since we began this series called Better Together. And our custom is we read this together. It's there on the screen. I do have the notes as well available in the, um, it's on the Bible app. If you are on the Bible app or if you have that, you can go to events, uh, go to more and then events and you'll see our church is listed there. And I've got all the sermon notes for today, including this theme verse. Are you ready to read it together? Let's go. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And I want you to, to look with me at verse 18 of chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. This won't come up on the screen, but it's in your notes there. And uh, I'm going to pick up where I left off last week, actually. It says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints and pray for me that utterance may be given that i might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which i am an ambassador in chains and that i might speak it boldly as i ought to speak verse 21 that you may uh, but you also may know my affairs and how i'm doing tychicus Everybody say Tychicus. It's just a fun name. No, everybody didn't say it. Everybody say Tychicus. There you go. Uh, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make, known, make all things known to you, whom I've sent to you for this purpose, that you may know our affairs, that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. Let's pray. You know, Paul, he said, pray that I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray that I would speak boldly today as I ought to speak. Uh, let's ask the Lord's hand on this message. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is light and it is life, instruction, correction, it is uh, encouragement, Lord. And I just ask today that you would allow your word to do what you desire for it to do, that it would accomplish all that you intend for it to. And that even as Paul prayed, Lord, I ask that I would speak with boldness as I ought to, as your word comes forth today. Lord, let there be nothing held back and nothing that's in your heart that is not expressed. And so, Lord, we just commit this message to you. Speak to our hearts. And change our lives in Jesus name everybody say amen. amen you may be seated this has been a just a wonderful passage of scripture I like pre preaching expository messages uh, where we allow really the Bible to speak for itself and uh, and I just encourage you I 
If, if you were not here, you were not a part of either of the last two weeks uh, that I've been in this, I would encourage you to go back. Everything really kind of builds up in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've talked about our identity in Christ. We've talked about how we live and we walk out this life, but it's all sealed with kind of these two ideas that are Christianity 101. Read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. I, I shared some scary statistics a couple of weeks ago about how the average person will spend uh, upwards of five hours a day on television, on games, on screen time, on all of these. Uh, it's, it's wild. And most people say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. And we got time to read the Bible. We got time to pray. We just need to designate some of that time. I, I, I consider if your life is dominated by fear or anxiety, if, uh, if you've got, you know, the news is speaking to you, what you ought to believe, and you're noticing that those things, I would just encourage you, do an inventory of what you're actually spending your time receiving from. You guys realize, even if you come to church on Sunday morning, and Thursday night, maybe you're involved in youth ministry three times a week. You understand you're getting about three hours or less. I, I average about 30 to 40 minutes when I'm preaching. You get, you get less than three hours of the word if you're not getting into it yourself. Consider at the same time that you've got Facebook and Instagram, you got Fox News or CNN, you got, you got all of these other sources that are feeding you for hours a day. We need the word of God. We need the word of God. You got to begin to dig into it. The other thing we talked about last week was prayer and supplication. Supplication are like these pleading and these persistent prayers where we're just going after God and we're praying with repetition. We're praying fervently. We're praying until we see something really begin to break out. But I, I love the topic of today and, and really what we begin to dig into today is this idea of being faithful. This idea of being faithful with what God has committed to each and every one of us. You know that every single person, everybody within the sound of my voice, you have a unique call and purpose. God has assignments on your life that only you will fulfill. My assignment is different than your assignment. My harvest is a little different than your harvest. We may labor in some of the same fields. We may launch out of the same house. But at the end of the day, you're going to impact lives that I will not. And the Lord doesn't intend for me to. He intends for you to. And so this is very important that we learn to be faithful ministers. Everybody say a faithful minister. Are you a faithful minister? Okay, one of, one of you are. So I'm not talking about a title here. Now, we here in Kings, we do call people ministers when they've been elevated into a certain uh, position of leadership. But I, I just want to remind you in the same way that we're all called the shepherd people, that's pastoring. Uh, we're all called to be faithful ministers to the Lord and to people. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're a faithful minister. I want you to turn to your other neighbor and declare it over yourself. I am a faithful minister. Well, what does that actually look like? You know, here we see the Apostle Paul. And this guy, 
I mean, he just, he absolutely blows my mind. If you just were to look over the topics that we've covered over this series, the things that the Apostle Paul talks about, I mean, he's talked about joy. He's talked about redemption. He's talked about how we're seated with and in Christ in heavenly places. That's a position of victory. Every enemy is under our feet. He's talked about a rich inheritance. He's talked about uh, warfare and overcoming the devil in the place of warfare but there's this prevailing message all the way throughout this entire book of freedom freedom from sin freedom from the devil freedom to walk in the will of God and think about this he's writing this incredible message from prison and I want you to think about that for a moment all of this encouragement that we've been receiving on Sundays for the entire year was written by a man who was sitting in a prison cell. If you've been blessed, if you've grown, if you've been encouraged, that encouragement came from a man who was in prison. I mean, this is just a wild thought. And this is what I, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, we need to be a faithful minister in every circumstance. We must be faithful ministers in every circumstance. The Apostle Paul is a wonderful, shining example of what that looks like. He was faithful to be a declarer of the gospel, a discipler, a speaker of truth, even though he was in a situation that is worse than most of us could even begin to imagine. And just think about, I was hearing a testimony this last week uh, uh, from a, a guy who served alongside. He was, he was actually helping... My mentor moved. My mentor was a man of God by the name of Steve Hill, a great evangelist, a great revivalist. And in the latter part of his life, he got cancer. Seven years, he ba battled melanoma cancer. And I remember seeing him. We would visit with him towards, uh, you know, in the last year of his life. We didn't know that it was. And even just for him to adjust himself, to move, to, to, to move it all on his recliner was agonizing pain. And he would cry out and scream. And I remember the young man who would become my youth pastor uh, at the first church that we pastored. His name was Josh. Josh was sharing about how he was helping Pastor Steve move. And Steve is sitting there in this chair. He's got cancer. He can't move without screaming and agonizing pain. And he stops Josh. Now, Josh is a student in his Bible school. He doesn't even know it. Josh is a student, and he stops Josh, and he says, Hey, you, do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And he's like, Yeah, I'm a student in, in Bible school. I'm in your Bible school, actually. And Steve is sitting there in pain, and he begins to cry. And he points to a picture, a painting on his fireplace mantle of Jesus. He begins to cry as he's looking at these, this painting, and he's like, that's my Jesus. And then Josh is like, I don't think I know Jesus. <laughs> he's like, I don't know him. And he's like, pray for me. But what was amazing is people would ask Steve Hill, his body riddled with cancer, do you ever get angry at God that he's not healed you? Do you ever get upset with God that, I mean, you got to lead a great revival. You've seen people with cancer healed when you prayed and lay hands on them. Do you ever get upset with God? You can watch. He's in interviews at times where he says, 
How could I be angry with God? He's like, when I consider the suffering of Jesus and all that he endured so I could be saved, how could I ever be upset with my Jesus? And here I am, I'm just thinking like, man, I've been upset with God over a lot less than that. And I just think about, man, there are people, there are people that God has raised up who are faithful ministers no matter what the circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that. Whether I'm sitting in a prison cell or whether I'm, God forbid, I'm not even going to say the next sentence, but I'm just telling you, in sickness or in health, in poverty or blessing, with my, if my relationships are strong or they're struggling, I'm telling you, I want to be found a faithful minister. Just as these. I love the Apostle Paul. He makes a statement in 2 Timothy chapter 9. He says uh, in the New Living Translation, I am suffering. I have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. I love it. Can I just remind you? Be a carrier of the gospel. No matter what circumstances of life you're in. Be a carrier of the gospel, whether things are going right or wrong, whether you're feeling at the top of your game or not. Be a carrier of the gospel. I love, I'm going to encourage you in one thing. This is kind of a bonus point. The Lord spoke to me in prayer this last week. Psalm 34 and verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Can I also remind you, the Lord is, he never promised us a life that would be free from affliction or suffering, but he did say that he would deliver us from them all. I don't know if you caught that. We will all have moments of suffering. We will have moments of discomfort. We will all have seasons of affliction, to use the Bible word. But if we will lean into and trust the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord will deliver us from all afflictions. So, so I consider the fact that God is, he never promised us a life free from these things, but he said that he would deliver us. So if I'm in prison... I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to be a faithful minister. If I'm sick, if I'm mocked, if I'm beat down, if I'm depressed, if my marriage is broken. Listen, we've all been there. And if you've not been there, uh, shocker, you will be someday. You will be at some point in time. We all endure afflictions. But listen, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Don't stop. Keep going. The Lord has promised that he will deliver us from all afflictions. We're going to be a faithful minister in every circumstance. Amen? Here's the second thing. It comes from verse 21. It says this, uh, that, I may, uh, that you may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother, a faithful minister. There we see it again. Faithful minister. He will make all things known to you whom I've sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs. And he may bring comfort to your hearts. Uh, here's, here's the second thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Be a permission giver. Be a permission giver. I, I just want to remind you, God, God will ask you to do things that are bigger than you. 
I believe it with all my heart. I, I saw on an Assembly of God uh, forum this last week, somebody said, what's your favorite scripture that's not in the Bible? You know, and they were, they were talking. There's a lot of things, you know, and the number one response was money is the root of all evil. Well, the Bible never says that. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, yeah, it can open a door if you're worshiping money, but money itself is not evil. When we sow money in the right direction, it's powerful. It's effective. It's worship even. Um, but one of the phrases is that, that was kind of quoted as a non-scripture was, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more. I disagree. I disagree. God will always give you more than you can handle. You want to know why? Because we're better together. We were never intended to carry out the assignments the Lord has given us alone. No, we, we link arms with people. We're becoming a holy temple. We read that in our theme verse. We're becoming a holy temple that God is fitting together. And so we, we need one another and we labor with one another and and, and, and most importantly, we learn how to have faith in God. We learn how to lean into Him. And God, I can't carry this. I don't believe for this. I don't have the power. I don't have the resources. I don't have the intelligence. I have, I have nothing to bring to the table but my life. And I surrender that to you. And you know, you know what's amazing about that is, you know, you just walk around this mall. And what's a joy is, yes, my wife and I were willing to say yes to the call to Kona. But if you walk around this property, <laughs> you don't see very much of Jacob and Leah, I'm just going to tell you. You're going to see the blood, sweat, and tears of many people that God has raised up to do something here. You're going to walk through this property and say, I, I know that you can't afford to do the things that have been done. And you're going to see the faithfulness of God who has provided way beyond what we could even ever do. And God's going to do this. Here's, here's where the challenge is, you guys. Have you ever been in a moment where, I mean... I just my mind goes back to our early ministry days and I I taught our worship team how to do everything. We had a worship leader when we first started and and the guy quit on us in like 2 months. I don't know. And so me and my wife become the worship leaders. Praise God. And uh, I can play music. You don't want me to sing. I'm just telling you. That's why I'm thankful that my wife stepped up and praise the Lord. But uh, I'm a musician and so I taught a guy how to play guitar. And then when he was ready, I hopped on the drum sets, and, and I taught a kid how to play the drums, and then I taught somebody how to play bass guitar, and next thing you know, I'm sitting on the front row. Now, here's, here's what's wild about this. Have you ever had this experience? I'm sitting on the front row, and I know I am better than all of the guys who are playing on this team. But my assignment is not to play the guitar or the bass or the, the drums or whatever, my assignment is to lead this service, to preach the word. That, that's what the Lord has asked of me in that particular season. And, and, and listen, there's always going to be moments where you might be better at a certain task, at something the Lord is asking. You might be a better, you might be a better preacher than me. You might be better with kids. You might be, you know, whatever the situation is, you might have a better skill set for a particular task. But the joy, we would not have a worship team. If I had not given people permission, sure, I'll, I will teach you how to play. You know what's amazing? All of those guys who we raised up, 
I mean, the guy that I taught how to play guitar is the worship leader at that church still today. Like 15 years later, he's still there leading the worship. We're not even there. Why? Because we gave him permission. And there was a time. Now, today, let me just tell you, today, he's a better guitarist. He was always a better singer than I am. And I praise God. We gave him permission. I think about this guy, Tychicus. Everybody say Tychicus. Anybody's about to have a baby, you just throw that in, in the list of names that you're going to consider. Tychicus. Now, Tychicus was a faithful minister. He was a good dude. And uh, what I, I love about this, you just think about where we see Tychicus for the first time is uh, he was actually a guy who was traveling with the Apostle Paul. Paul had ministered in a, in a particular place, and they had received an offering that they wanted to send back to Jerusalem. Okay? They sent that offering back with Tychicus. Paul wasn't able to go, and so he's like, Tychicus, you're the offering carrier. That's where Tychicus began in ministry. He was an usher. You're going to receive, and you're going to carry the offer. Go drop it off at the bank. That's where Tychicus, the faithful minister, began his ministry. Uh, we see other places. He's mentioned in Colossians chapter 4 and in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4. Uh, he was recommended. In fact, this is, this is wild. As Paul is going around and planting all of these churches and raising up all of these disciples, there comes a point in time where, uh, where Titus, who was what most historically called the Bishop of Crete, uh, he was like retiring, okay? So Titus is, is moving out of ministry, and Paul recommends Tychicus to take over, not just as the, the pastor of that church, but to be the bishop or the overseer over the entire region and area. Tychicus ends up being an apostle himself, raised up. And, and I think about, you, you realize, we would not have the book of Ephesians if Tychicus had not been willing to stand there and dictate for Paul, who was in prison, and to carry that message to the churches who needed that encouragement from Paul. Paul was a brilliant preacher. The greatest theological mind that we observe in Scripture outside of Jesus. Paul was an incredible, I mean, miracle worker, apostle, leader, you name it, Paul's got it. But he allowed guys like Tychicus the opportunity, the permission to minister alongside. And there was a point in time where Paul was not able. Paul wanted to go to Ephesus, but he's in chains. Problem, I can't be there, but I can send Tychicus. God, you've given me a vision to apostle and to oversee many other churches. Problem, I'm in prison, but I have a faithful minister, and he can go. Because he gave him permission. Church, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to remind you, God will ask you to do things that are bigger than what you can do on your own. And he's going to send you people, and all you need to do is give them permission. They might not have the skill set when you first meet them. I could tell you story after story after story of people that God brought to us that others thought, this guy has nothing to offer the ministry, he has nothing to offer the church, but you'll work with them for a while. Next thing you know, they are sought after. I, boy, I, I got multiple spiritual sons that are 
popping into my head right now that people overlook. They want nothing to do with him, but we pour our guts into these guys. And today, they're sought after as youth pastors. They're sought after as senior pastors and leaders. They're leading conferences. and I mean, it's just because we gave permission. You realize that 40 years ago, God put in the heart of a young man, Dr. James Morocco. He wasn't a doctor at the time. Young pastor, James Morocco, to take a church on Maui. In fact, we've got some sisters here. They were, you guys were actually in the service where he was commissioned and sent. Isn't that, Baba, you were there? Uh, uh, they were in the service where Dr. Morocco was blent, blessed and sent to Maui. And, and his vision was very simple. Uh, it was big, but it was simple. We're going to have a great church on Maui. That was his vision. And uh, he had a vision for 10% of the island, which I think at that time would have put his church at about 10,000. Okay, that was his vision. Large church. He came to a church about 50, 60 people. And his vision was for 10,000. Big vision. Bigger than he could carry on his own. But the Lord began to put it in the heart of Dr. Morocco to begin to pray for expansion. They were believing for bigger buildings. And then there came a point in time where the Lord said the same way that the mayor of Maui is the mayor of three islands, Maui, Molokai, and Lanai. He said, I want you to be the pastor of three islands. Problem, one man pastoring three islands? Well, how does that work? Well, God, because Dr. Morocco is a permission giver, there began to be people who were rising up. And they were just, there was a drug addict who got saved off the streets, but began to lead a life group and, and then began to, to serve on the worship team. And next thing you know, you got guys like Pastor Robert leading our extension on Molokai. Saved out of the world of addiction today, wonderful prophet, faithful minister of the Lord. And we've got, I, and we could tell you stories of this over and over and over. My wife, she was a part of those early prayer meetings before we had a single extension. She'd talk about being in those prayer meetings where Dr. Morocco would say, stretch your hands towards the map of the world and let's pray for congregations and churches to be raised up all around the world. And Leah, she says it in some of those moments, some of those early prayer meetings, like, why? We have a great church right here. We have thousands that gather right here. Why would we want to go start something? Wouldn't you know it? She ends up becoming her and her family, some of the core members of the first extension that was started on Molokai. And then God began to extend that, extend that vision, not just the county of Maui, but we want you to begin to, the Lord put it in his heart, gave him a vision. We want you to touch the entire state of Hawaii. And so they began to start churches. Problem, Dr. Morocco still one man. But there were faithful ministers who said, yes, I will go. I'll go to Lanai. I'll go to Kauai. I'll go to the big island. Hallelujah. God gave a vision for, he gave a vision for the entire Pacific Rim. And we began to plant churches in the Philippines and in, in, the, in you know, the Marshall Islands and in Tonga and all over. And, and, and now, guys, today, we're one church in nearly 500 locations. We're praying. We're praying. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's praiseworthy. It is. We're praying for, we're praying that God would allow us to minister. We're praying for what we call the 12120 vision. 1,200 churches ministering to 120,000 people by the year 2025. Problem. 
we're just us. Dr. Morocco's one man. We need some faithful ministers to rise up. You realize in 2020, the budget, we were praying, God, we need around the world for you to bring in $2 million a month. $2 million a month. Everybody just say that. $2 million a month. That's a lot, okay? We began to pray. And you know what? The Lord did that. 2020 was the largest giving year in the history of King's Cathedral and Chapels. It was amazing. It was amazing. This year we're praying for $2.5 million a month. And we began to... Now, every time I hear a vision like that, I immediately ask the Lord, Lord, what is Kona's part of that? What would you have me as a faithful minister carry out as a part of that vision? Because doctor can't do it on his own. You understand that? God has put vision on Kona. We're going to have 20 churches on the big island. I'm just telling you. We're going to have 20 churches on the big island. Problem, Pastor Jacob is one man with one wife. And that's the way it's going to remain. Praise God. We can only do so much. We can only do so much. But I praise God. We begin to pray. Lord, would you raise up a Filipino ministry? And then this last week, I have this wonderful couple. They come to they worked with us on Maui. And they say, we have a desire to start a Filipino ministry. God's given us a vision for it. And a, praise God. We sat down. They, they're like, you know, we want to start on Fridays. And I'm like, it is Friday. You guys want to start tonight? Um, but, uh, you know. Because here's the problem. God's called us to reach the Filipino people group. Problem. I'm not Filipino. I don't speak that language. But God raises up faithful ministers of the gospel who will do that. God's called us to minister in dance and in music. Problem. I, I don't do that. But God will raise up wonderful hula ministries and teams. You guys can begin to look. We want to start a church in Hilo. Problem. I'm in Kona and I'm not leaving Kona. But God will raise up a faithful minister like my brother Jeremy and Bethany. And they began those meetings three weeks ago. And you can just begin to look over and over. Why? Because somebody has given permission. I'm giving these guys permission. Yes. Can, can I tell you another big thing that we're going to do? Yeah, I've got time for this. No, I, I'm just, I was assessing my time and the things that I ought to share. I, I got fired up this last week, okay? I got fired up. Because... And this is actually, this is really serious. My, uh, so my kids began school. They're in the public school system. And um, day one, they come home. And both of them, now I know it's been, you know, there were state require, re requests that were made that, uh, you know, we need to be mindful of the gender pronouns by which children want to be called. And so my kids come home and they have to announce whether they prefer to be called a he, a she, or a they, right? Kids don't even know what pronouns are. Most adults don't even know what pronouns are. And so they also, now, now this is what was just so upsetting to me is, you know, you're in junior high school. My son's in seventh grade. And this teacher stands and announces that she prefers not to be called she, but they, because she is a lesbian. And she has the children in the classroom share not only their preferred gender pronouns, but also their sexual preference. And I'm here thinking, like, most of these kids haven't even hit puberty yet. Why, why do we need to know your sexual preference? 
And I... And so I hear this. Now, we didn't go and storm the classroom on day one. I just wanted to see. You know, maybe this was out of necessity, day one, and, and, and we won't hear about it. Every day, it was brought up again and again and again. So I go to the school. I go to the school. My wife and I, we go in there, and, uh, and I'm like, first of all, why aren't we singing the Pledge of Allegiance? Why are we saying that? And they said, well, we don't want to offend those who are unbelievers because, uh, you know, it's got that phrase, you know, one a nation under God. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm offended because I am a believer and now you're, you're taking something away that's been foundational in our schools. I'm offended. Do you care about my offense? And... And so we raise that, we raise this gender pronoun thing, we raise the fact that, that she has repeatedly announced and, and, and pushed her sexual identity and is encouraging the same thing amongst the children. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't even begin to touch the vaccines or the, or the masks and all of these kinds of things. And so what happens is I get a call that day. Now, I won't make assumptions, I won't say that these two things are connected, but I get a call that day. Uh, Mr. Barrientos, has your son Gabriel been vaccinated? And I say no, and he will not. We got a call. Yet we got we had a friend on Maui. He said, ah, "Should I go there?" All right, I won't go there. I just uh, we have prayed. Now listen. Here, here's what I want you to understand about me and our in our church as a whole. This is the official stance of our church. I'm not anti-vaccine. And I'm not anti-mask. I am anti-mandate. This is America. We should have the freedom to choose. This is what I feel like is best and right for my family. And, and, and for, for, you know, and so anyway, so they call me that day and they say, uh, has your son been vaccinated? No, he's not. Well, we had a student on campus here who tested positive for COVID-19, and because your child has not been vaccinated, he's going to have to remain home. But here's the problem. Every day I'm getting emails from the school. One student tested positive. Two students said, and as long as that's going on, they're going to tell my unvaccinated child he can't come to school. And I asked him, I said, now, now first of all, are you allowing the vaccinated kids to go to school? Uh, yes, we are said, why? My son had COVID-19. He had COVID. We all had COVID. I still, two months later, I still can't smell anything, okay? I know that I had COVID, and I know that it's real, man. But, but I said, he's got natural antibodies that are better statistically than your vaccine is. Well, we're not going to be able to allow him to come back to campus. And so I, I share some of this with both Dr. Morocco and Pastor Josh, and both of them immediately said the same thing. You need to start your own school. So we're going to start our own school. <laughs> they both said, and so, I mean, we are. We're, we're going we're gonna to start a school. Problem. <laughs> I, need some, I need some educators. Uh, well, we've got a curriculum. We've got a system. In fact, sitting in this room, I, she said, you need to call Joni, Dr. Moraga. You need to call Joni right now. She's our principal for our school on Maui. And they've got over 100 students between the preschool and the grade school, middle school. I mean, it's a wonderful program. And I'm like, doctor, uh, Joni's sitting in, the in my sanctuary right now. Like, well, you need to go talk to her. And so, I mean, take a kiss. 
God will send. I can't run a school. I can't do that. But God has raised up faithful ministers. And now, now she's not going to be on staff here. Unless you want to be on staff here. Uh, um, so we do need, we need people from right here in Kona who will say yes. We'll give you permission. We're going to begin that. It's probably going to happen very shortly after our prophetic conference. Just if you're wondering the timeline some, sometime in September. Because uh, we need it. I'm getting calls all the time from families in our church whose kids aren't allowed to go to school, even workplace. And I'll just tell you, you guys, this is why I'm, why I'm against the mandates on this stuff. Is because already there's talk about you can't go to a grocery store. We've already felt here in our state you can't travel, right, unless you've got tested or unless you can prove. And now, now this, this passport thing. And so we're watching all of this. Will there be a time? where we can't shop or you can't go to a medical office or all of this. I remember having a conversation with a guy in Lahaina two years ago. And I had preached about the signs of the times and the mark of the beast. And this guy, he was a guest in our church. He comes up to me after the service. He's like, you really think this is going to happen, don't you? And I'm like, with all of my heart, I do. And as we began to talk, he's like, you think that these end times are going to happen in our lifetime, don't you? And I said, absolutely, I do. And he looked at me like I was as crazy a person as he ever saw. I'd actually like to go back and have a conversation with that same guy today. Like, dude, it was unimaginable two years. How in the world is, are they going to mandate around the world you cannot buy or sell unless you have this chip, unless you have this mark? Today, boy, the world looks different, doesn't it? Just a couple years later. And now, now I want to be clear. I personally don't believe that this vaccine is the mark. But you look in the systems that have been created and formed, we're being set up for it right now. And that's what's concerning. So there might be a time. There might be a time, friend, where you're not allowed to go into a grocery store. So you guess what? Guess what? We're going to start King's Grocery Store. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... Yeah. Now, we're not actually planning on doing that, but there might be the day. I'm just telling you, it's wonderful, you know. That's why. What a joy to, to have our own building, to have our own property where we can do. If we want to start a school, we're going to start a school. I mean, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. Okay. Um, all right. Was that an okay tangent? Be a permission giver. Take a kiss. He was a faithful minister. <clears throat> let, me, let me go to, on to the last thing. Worship team, would you guys come? We'll, we're going to. I'm going to draw this to a close. Um, as we minister, always minister the heart of God. If you're, taking, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. This is the last thing. Always minister the heart of God. Well, what is that? It's peace and it's love and it's faith. And you'll see that's what the Apostle Paul says. He, uh, he says that in verse 23, Ephesians chapter 6, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God and the Father, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, love, and faith. And, you know, this, those couple phrases right there, it, it really summarizes the book of Ephesians. If you just look at, for all the times that it mentions peace, you know, the Bible in Ephesians says that Jesus is our peace. And he's broken down every wall of, di of division in Ephesians 2.14. How I many know we need division broken down? 
We need the peace of God to, to pour out in the world. In Ephesians 4, it says that he will give us peace with the help of the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 6, we talked about the, the shoes, the gospel of peace. Over and over again, we see this idea of peace. We see love over and over. Ephesians 1 says that love was one of the things that he had heard. It's, I've heard about your rep reputation, Ephesus. You are a church that you love one another. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were a church like that? I don't know what they believe. I don't know what they this or that. But I know they love each other. That was the reputation of Ephesus. Wonderful. Because we're to bear with one another in love. Ephesians 4.2. We're reminded to build up one another with love in Ephesians 4.15. Husbands are reminded in Ephesians 5. Love your wives. Hallelujah. And then... The last thing is faith. Faith is what stops the fiery darts of the enemy, Ephesians 6. It's by grace we are saved. We access that through faith, Ephesians 2.8. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. We access his authority by faith, Ephesians 3.12. And Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, Ephesians 3.17. On and on, I won't give you all the references. We're going to minister the heart of God with peace, with love, with faith. Now I want to I want you to stand all across this room and uh, and I, I want to take a moment to pray. Um, I shared this early in the series but I, I just want to close with one, one last verse. The reason that I felt like we needed to preach and minister out of the book of Ephesians in the first place was because God moves so mightily in Ephesus. And we get a glimpse of it in Acts 19. You can read about the revival in Acts chapter 19. But there's a single verse in verse 10 that says, this ministry went on for two years so that people throughout the entire province of Asia, Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. This went on for two years so everyone who lived in Asia heard the gospel think about that think about an entire continent not just like the city of Ephesus not just the big island no the entire continent within two years heard the gospel because of what God was doing in one city in one church wow why because there were faithful ministers who were raised up who said I'll love, I'll be a peace giver, I'll be a worshiper, I'll be a carrier of the gospel. And guys, I know we've got few in numbers here today. But can you imagine what would happen if we had some people who said, I'll be a faithful minister. I'll be a permission giver. God's put a unique call on your life and he's going to bring people alongside you. And I'm going to take people along for the journey. We're going to say yes to the call of God. Could it be that God would really allow us to impact this entire island or impact this entire state, even impact our nation? Guys, I believe for that. I believe for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you say, 
Lord, if you ask of me, I'll say yes. You ask me to be a minister, I will say yes. I, I want you to lift your hands all across this room right now. And Lord, I ask you even today to release your presence and your power, almighty God. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin even right now to release impartation, that you would release your presence and your power over your sons and daughters. Lord, we believe for a mighty outpouring of your spirit. We believe for a revival like what you did there in Ephesus, that God, an entire continent, was able to hear and receive your word and your gospel. And God, I believe for the same thing right here in Kona, that you're going to raise up mighty men and women who will touch and impact every area, every sphere, every influence, mighty God. We ask you, Lord, pour out your anointing. Pour out your presence and your power. Oh, in the mighty name of Jesus, raise up faithful ministers all across this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, we ask you, Lord. Oh, we ask it, Lord. Oh, do a great and effective work in Jesus' name.